0: is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, doctors, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the Healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists. Where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. All right. Hello out there to all you healthcare rap posse
1: listeners. How are you doing? Hope uh, the holidays are coming fast for you too. Hope you are preparing for that and having some some fun things on the menu, fun things on the calendar scheduled for you Ready here. We have a great opportunity for you here today to discuss generational differences. And it's really something I think it's really interesting. It's a great conversation we're going to have with our guest today, who is Megan Johnson. It's it looks like it's Megan. It's actually pronounced Megan, like vegan with an M, because she says she still likes meat. So, very interested to to welcome her. Megan is a speaker, and author, and generational humorist. So, what's a generational humorist? We're going to turn it over to you, Megan. Welcome.
2: Hey, Jared. Nice to talk to you. I hope you explained to everybody that even though we have the uncommon last name of Johnson, we are not related.
1: Not as far as we know. Exactly.
2: <laughs> so yeah. So uh, so do you ask what a generational humorist is?
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah.
2: So a generational humorist, as I tell people, I make fun of all the generations. A lot of times people say, we have a generational speaker come in and talk to our group and you know, they pick on the millennials and everyone laughs and the millennials get mad. And I tell people, you know what, I pick on everybody. So we, I make fun of all the generations equally and then with the hope that uh, we walk away with a better understanding of our similarities and we're able to laugh at our differences.
1: So, how did you get into this? How did you become a generational humorist?
2: Well, I wish I had a real inspirational story and like, you know, something that just put me above and beyond. But the truth is, my father is a professional speaker. He wrote a book called Absolute Honesty. He talks about different topics. He doesn't talk about the generational issues, but he has different topics. So, that's how I knew about the intriguing world, speaking and working with different corporations and associations. And when I began my career in 1998, when I was 28 years old, I was the younger workforce. And back in 1998, everybody was complaining about Generation X. Oh, Generation X is so hard to work with. Generation X is lazy. Generation X wants instant gratification. Generation X, all they want to do is use technology, which I I laugh thinking about technology in 1998. And I had just come out of working in the corporate world. I'd worked for Quaker Oats and Kraft Foods, and I found the experience really discouraging. I had baby boomer bosses, and we seemed to be having generational conflict. And now at the time, when I was uh, was working for those organizations, I didn't recognize it as generational conflict, but when I began my speaking career and began to speak about how to work with the younger generation, Generation X at the time, I realized that, that that conflict I was having with my bosses at the time was very generational. You know, as a, at the time, I just figured it was all their fault. <laughs> it's all their fault. They don't understand. But I realized now with a little bit more experience under my belt that it wasn't just their fault. It was definitely, it was a generational gap between, between myself and my bosses. So that's how I started speaking about generations. And then, you know, all of a sudden I looked around and I was not the young generation in the room anymore. And the presentation and the information changes as the demographics of the workforce change.
1: Well, let's dive into that a little bit because the dynamics of the workplace are constantly changing and and I'm looking forward to hearing some of your insights on that, about how to to work on that because that's the source of our rap battle today.
2: All right, I'm ready.
0: Rap battle.
1: For those of you who are new to the program, welcome. Thank you. Hopefully you enjoy this program. The rap Battle is really our our main segment of the program because it's where we challenge an assumption that we feel like has been holding back healthcare. And a lot of times it may have to do with marketing. Sometimes it just has to do with, with healthcare in general. Today is one of those that really applies to everybody, every industry, every workforce, every place. And the assumption that we're really challenging is the fact that kind of what you were just saying, Megan, that There's so many generational differences that it's too difficult for us all to work together. And I'm here to tell you the message that you have to share, that you've shared on stage and in your book, is that it's not too difficult. It takes some work, but it's very possible for different generations to work together. So let's start there in terms of what are some of the most challenging generational differences facing the workplace today?
2: Yesterday, I was actually speaking for the Texas Association of School Personnel Administrators. And one of the uh, human resource directors there, he 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 said something which I thought was really interesting. He, He said, a lot of people say, kids have changed. Kids are so different now. And he said, I don't agree. He said, kids are the same. They're naturally eager. They're curious. He said, society has changed and children have changed in their response to what is going on around them. I really thought that was such an eloquent way of saying what I try to say from the stage is that really we have this often we have this negative connotation about millennials that they're, you know, people say, you know, they want instant gratification. They want to be the CEO in two weeks. They want, you know, to work four hours from home and then take the rest of the day off. I think sometimes we have this real negative connotation that, and we have this idea that you know, that as a generation, that this, this whole group of young people are so drastically different. I don't think they're different. What's changed is society has changed. Or as I say in my book, Generations Inc, I call them generational signposts. These events that are very specific to certain generations, they change from generation to generation. And the way we respond to those situations or events differ depending on what generation we belong to or what age we are so it's not so much that the generations have changed is that the, the events that happen within a generation change and the way we respond to those events are different depending on how old we are or where we are in our lifespan does that make
1: sense <laughs> it does it does can you give us an example maybe a generational signpost you know one where where millennials and digital natives you know where they have responded differently
2: Sure. So, okay. I mean, that's a great. That's a great example. So you know, so the digital natives. So for example, I'll just use my own doctor as an example. My own primary care physician. They began to use the healthcare portals. The healthcare portals. And I'm a Gen Xer, you know, I'm, I'm not, and I like technology, I use technology, but boy, I resisted the healthcare portal. I'm like, no. And every time I'd go see my doctor, they said, have you, have you looked at your healthcare portal? Have you gone to the portal? I said, I know the portal's there. I'm trying to stay away from the portal. But once, once one of the millennials in the office took the time to show me how to use the portal, I'm a big portal advocate now because I don't have to wait for a call from my doctor's office to get that information. Now that that millennial that showed me the portal, she was baffled why I would even want to wait. She's like, well, why would you even want to wait several days before getting a call from your doctor or from the lab to get the results of your test? She says, it's all here really quick. You can get all the information you want much faster than waiting for a call. And she was baffled why I would, why I would even go through that process of waiting for a call or you know, getting the information when the portal is just so easy to use. So her ease of using that portal was much higher than mine, because probably she's been using the healthcare, you know, her healthcare portal for like, you know, since she was a, since she was an infant. So it's easier for her because she's not emotionally attached to the old ways of doing it. I was emotionally attached talking to my doctor because that was what was easy for me. Now once she helped me over that hurdle of learning how to use the portal. And those that use portal are probably like, oh my gosh, it's not that hard, but I resisted it. When she helped me over that hurdle, I'm a big advocate. I love using it.
1: And it sounds like that's part of the key of it is like recognizing that you're emotionally attached to it in one way versus something else.
2: Oh yeah. we're And, we, and I, I, I'm with audiences. I always joke. I say whenever someone comes along and wants to do something different, we even have a phrase for it. We say, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I think that's our way of saying we're afraid to try something different. Well,
1: that's interesting. And I, I think you're right. I don't think that necessarily... We like to assign that to whatever the youngest generation is at the time. I do remember hearing things like that about Gen X. You know, when I was up and coming, you know, young adult in the world, graduating from high school, going to college and and same thing, heard all the same things. And it's it It's so ironic that it, we hear the same things in a lot of different ways. And, and you're right, society has changed around it. Yep. So then, you know, we add... We add healthcare to the mix. And I'm curious what your impression is here because you, you gave just a, a great example just then of a part of a digital health experience you just talked about using a portal. So do you think healthcare makes it easier or more difficult to deal with generational challenges in the workplace?
2: Well, you know, and I know we had, uh, we just got discussed this earlier and, and uh, I know you wanted to talk about this. And so I've been thinking about it and I, I really think it's both. In a way, it's both because healthcare is, so big. I mean, it's it, and sometimes in some healthcare situation, making a change is like trying to you know turn the Titanic. It's it's just this you know mammoth operation. However, you have a group of people, the patients, the customers, who are going to be demanding more and more, sort of what we associate traditional high customer service. So you have, so now you have people coming in to see their, their doctors, their physicians, already knowing, or they think they know what's wrong with them. So they're, they're very pro, you know, they've gone on to Dr. Google and investigated what could be wrong. They are definitely more proactive in their healthcare experience. Now you compare that with my grandmother, who is a traditional, you would take her in to see the doctor, and, you know, she hadn't been feeling, feeling well all week, complaining of pains, complaining of a congestion, a cold, whatever it could be. You finally see the doctor. You get her to go. You're sitting in the, in the doctor's office with her. Doctor walks in, says, what, you know, what's going on, Ms. Johnson, Mrs. Johnson? What's wrong? Oh, nothing. I'm fine. Because in her mind, she doesn't want to bother the doctor. <laughs> you know so you have this young these younger this younger generation these new patients these these customers who are going to expect a customer service experience similar to you know what they received from high end retailers and you have a big demand for healthcare to change so i think healthcare will change in response to this to the new customer demand
1: Interesting. And so we can kind of say, I wonder if you agree with this, it feels like we can say the same thing about the workplace in healthcare too, in terms of just experiences, the same types of, of differences, uh, even in the way we communicate, like our, our communication preferences, you know, what some, some prefer to, it's not necessarily all by generation, but we recognize some people prefer to call or talk in person. Uh-huh. Some prefer, some that like that's, they just dread that, you know, they just don't want to talk in person to anybody. And so I, I wonder, you know, in, in the workplace in particular, you know, you know, take a hospital, for instance, or, yeah, you know, a medical group, you know, you have a bunch of doctors working together who will have a lot of, you know, some are the more seasoned veteran doctors who did grow up in a different time. And then you have those who just got out of their residency and, you know, they're, they're new on the scene. And, and I have a feeling they're the same way where they, they're like, why would we do it that old way? So any tips there? Maybe we start with the younger start with millennials. What tips do you have for millennials to work with those who are in older generations?
2: So tips for, for the younger generation working with the older generation. I like to tell younger people, you don't know what they do not know. So when it comes to the older generation, you don't know what they do not know. And, when, and especially when it comes to showing older generations technology. And the example I use is back in the eighties, My grandfather asked me to tape a show for him on the VCR and uh, because he didn't have a VCR, we had a VCR at at my parents' house, would I tape a show for him on the VCR? And I taped the show for him. I was happy to do it and taped the show for him. And when he was coming over to my parents' house to watch the show, I I wasn't going to be there my parents weren't going to be there so i i cued the show up i queued it up so it was all ready to go on the, on the on the vhs tape and i put a note right there on the tv and i wrote grandpa all you have to do is press play you know because it was all set to go and then i left and i came home a few hours later and my grandpa had left me a note he wrote i press play but nothing happened <laughs> Because what I what I didn't think to tell him was to turn on the TV. Because, again, you know, I don't know what he didn't know. Because to him, a TV experience and a VCR experience are two totally different things. So he watches TV. Sure, that's watching the TV. But to him, the VCR experience, that was completely different. So why, why would I have to turn on the TV? And I didn't tell him to turn on the TV. Because, again, I didn't know... What he didn't know. On the other side of that coin, when with millennials, you also don't know what they know, and especially when you have young people coming in managing people that are older than they are, and uh, you have these incredibly talented, enthusiastic people coming in, and you know we're going to shake the system up, we're going to make some changes. You want to make sure you do not alienate or leave behind the people that have this incredible institutional knowledge of the healthcare system. And I've had some real smart millennials tell me that you know what, when I've come into a new department, new team, and I've got a lot of seasoned people there, the first thing I start doing is I just start asking the team questions. Why, Why is it we do it this way? He says, maybe I wanna make a change instantly, but there, there might be a reason we are doing it this certain way. So he says, I always make sure to talk to the team about what's the history here? What is it, the, why is it that we follow these processes? What's the procedures here? One millennial manager, he said to me, he said, I really, you know, I did myself a disservice by jumping in and basically trying to take, just t- trying to tell everybody all the changes, the great changes we're gonna make. He said, and I alienated a lot of really seasoned um, long-term people. He said, so what I've learned to do is I make sure I ask a lot of questions especially when i'm managing people that are older than i am
1: oh yeah okay yeah so that that does make sense that makes a lot of sense
0: everybody wants their content to work but if you're not careful it'll drive you berserk you need the right partner but where to begin use true north custom that's how you win in healthcare content marketing gotta try something new because innovation is king true north custom they're the bomb check it at truenorthcustom.com Hey, We have a new exclusive giveaway from our partners, True North Custom. We're giving a branded infographic to Healthcare Rap listeners. This is a $1,500 value. This digital asset can be used to promote key service lines, as well as provide your communities with engaging health and wellness information. It can be shared via your blog, social media, and other channels. Visit bit.ly slash healthcarewrap2 today. That's bit.ly slash healthcarewrap and the number 2 to select your free infographic from the True North Custom library. It's time for you to spread the awesome. Remember bit.ly slash healthcare rap and the number two, tell your whole crew.
1: Let's go to Gen Xers then. What's your number one tip for Gen Xers to work with other generations?
2: Well, Gen Xers, I joke, Gen Xers, we were latchkey kids and we're the generation that shows up and says, hey, tell me what you want done. Give me the tools and training to do it and then just leave me alone. So, sometimes we, get a little, sometimes we get a little too siloed, you know, just uh, I'm doing my thing, I'm, I'm good at what I do, and let me move forward. Sometimes Gen Xers, we're we the ones that championed independent sports, you know, we, we, we love to do things on, we love to, you know, you know, I can succeed on this on my own, but it isn't, especially in healthcare, it's vital that it's, it's a team effort. And sometimes we have to reach out to the sort of that bridge in between the, the baby boomers and the millennials. We gotta make sure we, we reach out to both sides of the party. We are the smallest generation. Sometimes we are forgotten. I always say if you're if you're ever a fan of the uh, the TV show The Brady Bunch we are Jan, we are the middle child. Sometimes we're forgotten about, we're, very, we're a small generation, we're squeezed in there, and we tend to be, you know, we're independent. But it's, it's up to us to sort of pull our heads up and, and, and reach across generational lines, both to the baby boomers and to the millennials.
1: Well, as a fellow Jan, I can relate. I <laughs> appreciate that.
2: I know, I'm a Gen Xer, don't tell me how to do it, I'm doing it my way and it'll be done when it's done and you'll be happy with it, leave me alone. <laughs>
1: Yes, I may, I may have said that out loud once or twice in my life. So, yeah, I can relate.
0: Yeah. So, all
1: right, so all right. So, we'll move on to, uh, to baby boomers, and maybe we'll have uh, traditionals in there too, just uh, for, for sake of time. And because I, I have a feeling a lot of the, the same tips would apply to both. What would you say to baby boomers?
2: Baby boomers and then also traditionals. So these are the people that have held the reins in healthcare for the longest, traditional and baby boomers. And uh, now you've got you know younger nurses, younger staff, uh, younger doctors, physicians all coming in and they want to challenge the status quo. They want to change things. And as I said, when it comes to change, we like to talk about change being good. We love change as long as, it's not ha- as long as it's not happening to us. We don't want change to happen in our environment because change can be hard. So when you have someone that wants to change things, I think our first instinct is to say no. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. So there's no reason to make a change. But the danger there is that not only are are you alienating uh, this this younger person, this younger person that's joined your team. Not only are you alienating them and risking losing them to to another to someplace else, is that you also are, are possibly losing out on, on maybe a potentially really good idea. I like to use the example of Steve Jobs when he was head of Apple. You know, when the team came to him and said, "Hey, Steve." We're not in the phone business, but we've put together this thing called the iPhone and it's gonna be totally different and people are gonna touch the screen and it's gonna be completely different idea. And I mean, what if Steve Jobs said, you know, no, that that won't work because the public loves their flip phones. They're not going to go for that. So when we say no to new ideas, we potentially basically miss out on what could be the iPhone of healthcare. You know, you could have a new idea that reinvents healthcare, makes it more efficient or makes it a cure to some incurable disease. So to guide people on that, there's four. You got someone who wants to change something four questions you ask yourself before you say no ask yourself four questions whatever this person wants to do whatever they want to change or challenge does it negatively impact cost quality safety or service so does it does whatever they want to try does it negatively impact cost quality safety or service if the answer is no then give it a try i mean what's the harm there's no risk Worst case scenario, no change. Best case scenario, you have the iPhone of healthcare that you challenge some status quo and you change something so drastically and you improve the system in in the end result.
1: That pretty much covers it. I, <laughs> great tips, because you know what what we've all got to do is you know we've all just got to keep these things in mind on a day to day basis because we are all always going to be working together. And what I like about your approach, your message is that you've always made it clear, like you're challenging these stereotypes. You're not doing this to put labels on people. It's so that we can actually help understand where the differences are true and we can work together. So I wonder if there any other tips you had just in, in general for, for working together
2: the more diverse our team is the better we are we tend to you know like like so but if the more diverse the more genera- generationally diverse our team the better answers the better solutions the better the better ideas are what are what's going to come across it's that diversity is really the key but it does mean that all of us from each generation we have to push ourselves out of our comfort zone to take a minute and listen to what the other person has to say. And I think of sometimes. I mean, my dad, he is a baby boomer and I'm, I mean, I love him to death and he is a wonderful, wonderful guy. I got the best dad in the world. However, sometimes talking to him about professional issues, I may ask him something and he'll start to launch into a, what I perceive as a very long story. And in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, come on, come on, go, go, just get to the point. And I, I have to really think, well, wait a minute listen to what he has to say don't because don't try to interrupt him don't try to like push him to the conclusion listen to what he has to say he's telling you the history the story behind behind the point so listen to it and then it'll make more sense when he gets to when he gets to that point but that forces me out of my comfort zone. You know, It's like, oh, come on, I don't want to listen to another long-winded story. But by doing that, by listening to that story, it helps me understand, okay, well, this is why this process is in place, or this is why you have this Perception of what's happening, so really we all have to kind of push ourselves out of our comfort zone every once in a while to to really to listen and understand where the other
1: generation is coming from. Awesome, I appreciate that part because I think that really does it. Kind of puts all this together, brings it all together, and and it sums it up and just gives us a a way to kind of channel it and remember a lot of these other tips day to day. So awesome. Well. At the end of each rap battle, what we usually say is that we killed that that assumption. And uh, safe to say, we've been able to explain uh, why it actually is very possible to work together as different generations in the workplace. And... Yes, it's gonna take a lot of work, but if everyone is mindful of that, it's very possible it's not too difficult to overcome. So, awesome. Thank you for sharing all that. We're gonna roll right on to our shout out, which will be our way to wrap up, and then we'll give people a chance to hear a little bit more about what you've got on your plate coming up and how they can reach you. Okay. Shout out. So shout out is where we just recognize a person, place, thing, idea, food. It can be a food. Ooh,
2: I might be changing my shout
1: out now. (laughs) Mm, Yes, uh, sometimes uh, it has been a food, but it's something that has caught our attention lately. I can do one real quick and then yeah, if if, uh, it might give you a chance if if you want to throw food out there, but don't feel like you have to. Mine is not food related this week, but mine just a little bit different. My shout out is to New Year's resolutions that don't start at the new year. And here's what I mean. Last last August, it probably was, my little brother. We're talking about generations, right? Like uh, He's just a couple years younger than me. We share probably most of the same generational characteristics, I feel like, most of the time. But he challenged me to run an obstacle course race with him. And to that point in my life, I had never run a race of any kind, I don't think, I'd never even done a 5K. I'd never done anything. And I wouldn't say I'm inactive at all. I, I actually, you know, I worked out on a regular basis, but I had not run in front of people since probably like seventh grade. So I really wasn't interested in that. But he kept talking me into it. He said, look, there's a race in about six months from now. It's kind of a moderate length. It's, it's longer than a 5K. It ended up being about eight or nine miles with some obstacles in it. And monkey bar, you know, go through the mud, rope climbs, that kind of stuff. And I'm like, what is appealing about this at all? By the end of probably a really mid fall, October, November, I said, you know what, I have no reason not to do this. I'm gonna make a resolution to myself. It's not New Year's, but I'm gonna do it now. I'm gonna really see if I can train for this thing. And lo and behold, February came and that race happened and I didn't die. And so all it took for me was, was some persistent encouragement from somebody who really told me, yeah, you know, you can do this. You haven't done it before, but you can do this. That kind of encouragement meant the world to me because since then we actually ran two more later this year. Wow. And and yeah, it's it's something I I hate to say out loud that I I actually enjoy it now. (laughs) <laughs> so, you know, it didn't happen at New Year's. And maybe for me, that's what it took because New Year's resolutions can just kind of go by the wayside, you know, a few weeks later, you know, like as they always do. So uh-huh. for me, it took something kind of off cycle and maybe that's what got me to actually do it. But anyway, that's my shout out.
2: What was the hardest part of the obstacle?
1: You know, what the hardest thing was if you didn't pass an obstacle, you had to do 30 burpees.
2: Oh, I hate burpees.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they, they are like the world's worst thing. So oh, they
2: are. They it's
1: motivating... Yeah, it's Um, motivating to not fail the obstacle.
2: I don't think they should call them burpees. They should call them pukies because that's how I feel when I want to do them. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a great one. Excellent. Congratulations. That's not easy.
1: Thank you. Thank you. All right. So uh, you want to try a
0: shout out here?
2: Okay. So my shout out this morning on CNN.com, there was a story of a Cabela store, which I am proud to say is one of my clients, Cabela's. And if you're not familiar with Cabela's, Bass Pro Shop owns Cabela's. So they're kind of hunting outdoorsy store. In a store in Fort Worth, a mom took her six-year-old son who has autism and, and is blind to see the Santa at the Cabela's store. And uh, because her son struggles sometimes with crowds, she went very early because she was hoping there would be no line. And she said there was no line. And she went, walked up to the Santa, uh, the, the Cabela store, and um, explained the situation to the Santa about her son being blind and, being, and having autism. And she said the Santa uh, said, say no more, no problem. And she said the Santa Claus went over to her son, whose name was Matthew. And she said this. he got down on the floor with the son and talked to him for a little while and invited him to touch his coat and the buttons on his coat. She said he allowed Matthew, her son, to pull on his beard, and uh, she said he, she, she, the Santa asked the son, "What is it? What would you like to? What would you like to know while you know you're here meeting Santa?" And um, she said her son is an avid fan of The Night Before Christmas, and she said the son says, "I want to feel your eyes that twinkle." And she also said her son was very uncomfortable with having his photo taken, and she said when the Santa asked if the son would pose for a photo with him, she thought for sure her son would melt down, and he didn't. He was happy and excited to have the photo with Santa. When they talked to the Santa Claus about the experience afterwards, he said, you relate to the child and what the child needs. He has never seen the world the way we have seen the world. And I thought, what an inspirational story, especially in the middle of the holidays when we often feel very rushed and we feel like we don't, um, often we don't take the time to do something special like that. So that, that was just to me a very, I read that first thing this morning and it, it put a good spin on my day.
1: Oh, no kidding, man. My heart is warm right now. That's, that's <laughs> an awesome story. Oh, man, that, that's a great shout out. And, uh, man, cool story just to think about that. So uh, very, very good. I want to give you a chance to tell people a little bit more about Generations Inc., you know, your book and anything else on your plate. Uh, and then uh, let us know how to get a hold of you if listeners want to connect with you.
2: Oh, terrific. Yes. So my website is Megan Johnson. That's dot com. You can go onto the website and you can sign up for my monthly e-zine called Generational Jumpstart. I send it out once, sometimes twice a month. It's a generational tip sheet also has inspirational stories of different organizations that are doing things different with different generations and but you also can find me on Facebook I'm Megan Johnson generational humorist and you can sign up for my uh, list where I also send out people notifications when I'm going to be in your town so if you're thinking wow I'd like to have I'd like to have Megan come visit and how can we pair up with another organization I can send you uh, a little notice when I am in your town and hopefully we can pair up with another organization or another association and um save in multiple ways and my 1-800 number is 1-800-759-4933
1: awesome and thanks so much for joining us today and we really appreciate this gave us a lot to think about and so i want to thank you on behalf of myself and peter our co-host who will be back next week and one way or the other happy holidays for everyone and thanks and that's a wrap